Church, let me invite you to open uh, God's Word with me this morning. The Scriptures, once again, to the New Testament letter of 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 5, and if you're using a pew Bible, you can find this text on page 962. But Christ is the Lamb for sinners given, the one who has ascended to the highest heaven, and we know this uh, because of His Word. And so we continually open the Scriptures. It is our practice. We want to hear from God through His Word, for He speaks to us through His Word, tells us who He is and what it means to know and to live uh, for Him. So as you find your place uh, in this text, First Timothy chapter 5, let me invite you to join me standing uh, once again out of reverence for the one whose word it is that we are reading. Let's hear the word of the Lord today. First Timothy chapter 5, verses 1 through 8. The scriptures read, Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. Give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn first of all to put their religion into practice by caring for their Uh, Caring for their family and so repaying their parents and grandparents for this is pleasing to God. The widow who is really in need and left all alone puts her hope in God and continues night and day to pray and to ask God for help. But the widow who lives for pleasure is dead even while she lives. Give the people these instructions so that no one may be open to blame. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith. And is worse than an unbeliever. Let's bow together. And Lord, we do thank you for your word today. We acknowledge that you have spoken and you still speak. And Lord, we desire to hear from you. So guide us now by the presence and power and direction of your spirit that we might hear from you and respond accordingly. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church may be seated. Well, recent... Survey conducted by uh, Cigna Insurance reveals that loneliness is on the rise in our nation, especially among younger generations. In fact, this particular study suggests that loneliness is common in all age groups, yet steadily increased from the greatest generation down to baby boomers, down to millennials, and down to Generation Z. As you know, we live in an age of social media and social networking, yet neither Facebook friends nor Instagram uh, followers nor Snapchat besties will find will fill uh, the relationship desire that God has for you and for me. You see, we were made for in-person social interaction. And as you might imagine, those who report having more face-to-face daily social interactions are less likely to report being lonely. I vividly remember a liberal arts professor in in college uh, addressing relationships and and family. don't remember the title of the class, but remember uh, a particular class session on relationships and family and and marriage. I remember him saying something uh, in class one day, saying, you better make sure you marry someone that you can talk to. You see, marriage and family are meant to provide meaningful relationships. Today we do remember mothers, and for many of us, our mothers have provided the glue that held the family together. I don't have to tell you that's not always the case. You know this. 
for communication within our families. Often communication between husbands and wives begins to fade. Uh, Families become dysfunctional. Our personal flaws and, and failures become most obvious to those who know us best. And we begin to drift off in our, our separate ways. But it's God's desire, it's His intent that families provide and protect and practice patience with one another, comforting and forgiving each other. You see, God gives us family uh, for human flourishing. And when we turn to Him, God grows our family. When we trust Jesus for life, for salvation, for forgiveness of sins, he adopts us into his family, inviting us to approach him as the perfect heavenly father and inviting us to relate to one another as members of the same family. God's grace unites the church as family. God's grace is undeserved mercy and favor extended to us through the gospel of Christ unites the church as family. And I wonder if we have uh, so emphasized the vertical component of our salvation here in the West uh, that at times we fail to, uh, to, to consider and claim the horizontal implications of that very same salvation. See, when it comes to following Jesus, grace is the great equalizer in the sense that none of us deserve to be God's people. None of us have earned this status. None of us have earned this right relationship uh, with Him. And even so, we've all been given first-class tickets uh, to the house of God that somebody else paid for. Encounter as it may be to the competitive, self-obsessed drive to the top that is in each of us, grace levels us. It humbles us. We no longer view one another as either a help uh, to befriend or a hindrance to avoid, but as fellow recipients of God's mercy, as family. See, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we must love each other like family. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul addresses the church as the brothers and sisters. Friends, these are your, your brothers and your sisters, Paul essentially says to, to Timothy, point these things out to the family. Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. You know, it sounds a lot like Jesus' words in Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3, verse 32, we read that a crowd was sitting around Jesus and the crowd said to him, your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Jesus was, I think, in Capernaum at the time and his ministry was growing. The crowds were uh, flocking to him, so much so that there was no room for them. I think we read in that chapter, if I recall right, that that Jesus and his disciples weren't even eating at times. They were skipping meals in order to, to minister to the crowds and his family hears about this and they think he's gone crazy, so they send uh, they, they go to, to get Jesus. And Jesus responds in this way. He says, who are my mother and my brothers? He asked. Then he looked at those seated in the circle around him. And he said, here. <laughs> these that are listening to me. These that are wanting to hear from me. To be taught by me. To follow me. These are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Let's not misunderstand Jesus. He wasn't neglecting his family. 
But Jesus was saying that his mission expands his family by inviting whosoever will to become a part of it. Have you become a part of it? Have you responded to the invitation to become part of Christ's family? Are you in the family of of Jesus? Brother or sister, follower of Jesus Christian, are you loving your new family? Jesus said, by this... Everyone will know that you are my people if you love one another. Paul, the apostle, later wrote to Gentile believers living in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. He, He writes to them, he says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers. In other words, you're no longer outsiders. But you are fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself is the chief cornerstone. Brothers and sisters, followers of Jesus, together we are now fellow citizens in God's kingdom and fellow members of his household. We're no longer divided but united as a family by grace, the grace of our heavenly father and our family, God's family portrays a a beautiful diversity. Not not a family unity that ignores diversity. It's not as if we don't see it. We still see distinctions and differences. In fact, I had the privilege to go with a couple members of this church family to uh, Asia, to to China this past week and return home last uh, night. But I remember in the part of China, north central China that we were in, uh, there weren't many foreigners. In fact, we got a number of looks as no doubt people that or from somewhere else. A few people even stopped and asked us, can I, can I take a picture with you? Can I take a picture? Other times we're riding down the street and come up to a stoplight. Someone looks over and just look at us. Can't take their eyes off of us because obviously we, we stood out. We were different. In the household of faith, we're, we don't ignore differences. We, we see differences. We see the obvious. We're not called to be monoethnic or monolithic, but a family unity. To have a family unity that sparked by a realization of God's saving grace that sees former barriers, past barriers, as present and future family beauty. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, Paul conveys this. He says, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, Nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. God's grace unites the church as family. As brothers and sisters, we must love each other like family. And as members of God's household, we must care for the family. We're called to care for the family. You see, parents care for children. I mentioned that I was out of the country for the last several weeks, about the last seven or eight days. And my wife, Ashley, was home uh, caring for three young children by herself. Everything that that entailed from putting them to bed to waking them up to feeding them to dressing them to bathing them to transporting uh, them around. Uh, she did an exceptional job at that, I know, uh, but I've heard about it already. Uh, and I know, I know that I'll continue to hear about this for a little while longer, maybe a long while uh, longer. 
Because caring for children is taxing and tough. You know this. But even so, we care for our kids. Even when it's difficult. Because there's a familial bond. An unexplainable and incomparable love given by God. And I believe with all my heart that it's given to parents by God because He knows without that bond, things go south in a hurry. We love and we care and we provide for our children and we hope one day that they remember it so that they can return the favor if we so need it. This familial bond is a common grace that God gives us all and Christ followers must practice it. Christ followers support relatives in need. We care for our relatives who are in need. First Timothy chapter 5, verse 4. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents. For this is pleasing to God. Verse 8, he writes, Anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. See, even unbelievers provide for relatives in need. How much more should Christians provide the same? Christ followers support their own relatives in need. And together then Christ's church honors the destitute yet devoted widow. Christ's church is specifically called upon to honor the destitute yet devoted widow. In other words, the church then takes care of her own who are really in need. Verse 3, give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. See, widows in the ancient world were especially dependent upon extended family to care for them. Often are today, but especially in that world before 401ks and pension plans and life insurance and assisted living facilities without a husband or a son or other family member to protect and to provide. Widows were often left vulnerable. And we know from the scriptures that God has always emphasized care and compassion for the vulnerable among his people. In fact, James, the brother of Christ, writes, James chapter 1, verse 27, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this. In other words, you, you want to know what right faith looks like in practice? Look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Church, here in our family, we have numerous, numerous men and women who have lost spouses, yet who have served the Lord faithfully, served the church faithfully. Many who are devoted to God, and we are called to care for them, just as so many of them have cared for us. In fact, if you're a member of this church family, then you are called to love and to care for fellow members of the family of the family, the household of faith. And praise God, we have a group of leading servants, a.k.a. deacons, who are leading the way in this and setting an example for the rest of us. So deacons, thank you. Thank you for serving the family so well. You know, Paul's words here about widows are just one specific example of someone in the family who was in need, but certainly not the only example. The principle extends beyond uh, widows. The principle applies for the young sister whose husband has abandoned her. The terminally ill father whose strength is fading. 
a godly mother whose children have neglected to care for her, or a faithful brother suffering from the corporation's recent layoff. And the mass number of children all around us, with no father or mother, no parent pointing them to the hope of Jesus Christ. God's grace unites the church as family. So let's act like family. Let's act like the family that we are called to be. Let's love and care for each other well, but let's not forget those who are not part of the family. Let's not forget those who are on the outside who don't know what it's like to experience God's grace. Let's invite others to experience God's grace. Let's not be so inwardly focused and caring for our needs and needs within the body that we fail to recognize those who are outside the local fellowship of believers who don't know God's grace. Let's invite others to experience His grace. It's because we know that we have received a gift we don't deserve. A a position that none of us have attained on our own and a Savior we don't deserve. There's no place. There's no place for initially judging those who do not know Jesus. Those who are unfamiliar with Him. For Christ Jesus came into the world, chapter 1, verse 15, to save sinners. To save sinners. Paul says, of whom I am the worst. You see, I don't know about you, but I feel no more worthy to receive God's grace than Paul did. Yet, because I've received it, because I've been shown His mercy, I want to share it with others. Let's invite others to experience God's grace, and let's welcome others into the family. Let's welcome others into God's family, into this family. Friends, may we be a local family of believers who love and care for each other, yet who are always looking to grow. Always looking to invite others into the family. So when someone we don't know comes through the doors and sits on the pew next to us or near us, and we don't speak to them, shame on us. Someone comes in this place and no one talks to them or They don't hear or receive a welcome and hear the love of Christ and experience the love of Christ. That is on us. May we be known for hospitality. Yes, especially towards one another who together comprise this local body of believers caring for each other, but also toward the man or the woman who is unfamiliar and unknown to us, seemingly unlike us. Let's welcome others into God's family. And finally, friends, let's love and care so well that it's difficult to leave. That's love and care in this body of believers, in this church, so well that it's difficult to leave. May we be a church where it's easy to connect, but hard to disconnect. Let's speak and love and befriend and serve and support one another as brothers and sisters and fathers and mothers so well that only a commitment to Christ and His mission and the implications of that mission on our lives could cause us to leave. Deeply rooted in Christ, for we are His. And well connected to each other, for we belong to each other. Because God's amazing grace has united us as fellow members of his family. Let's bow together. And Lord, we thank you today that you have invited us to be part of your family. Lord, that 
despite our rebellion, despite our sin, despite each of us going our own way, a way that is not your way, Lord, you have called us back. Lord, you have chased us. And you have welcomed us into the family of God. Father, we thank you for the privilege of approaching you and approaching you confidently, boldly through the blood of Jesus Christ, knowing that you accept us and welcome us and love us and that you don't see us, Lord, when we are yours. You don't see us as we deserve. You no longer see our guilt, but you see the innocence, the righteousness of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, continually remind us of that. Overwhelm us with your grace so that we might in turn champion and promote and practice the compassion and the patience and the love that you have shown us with one another and with others that your kingdom might continue to grow and flourish here on this earth until our Lord returns. And it's in his name we pray.